Well, friends, again, if we haven't met, my name's Adam. It's my joy to be one of the pastors here. We're wrapping up our series called Wind and Wonder. And I hope it's been helpful for you. I hope it's been instructive for you. It's certainly been fun to put together. I had a, lot, a little bit of fun on social media this week. I threw out, what was something you resisted as a child that you've come to realize is good for you later on in life? Right? We had people, uh, there were some trends that emerged. A lot of food stuff. Um, balsamic vinegar was one. I thought that was interesting. Uh, some, some people surprised me. Um, they wrote, like, strawberries and blueberries. They didn't like, they didn't like those, but do as an adult. Uh, some people are delusional and grotesque and like pickles as adults. I don't know who you barbarians are. I told Joe this is 100% going on the screen. Uh, so I, <laughs> that, one, that was really funny. Uh, people said naps, right? Hated a nap when they were little. Now would do anything for a nap as an adult. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. For me, it's eye drops. Like my parents when I was little would have to like, just hold me down on the couch and I'd be squirming and kind of doing a Stevie Wonder thing. And uh, I just, I hate, I don't wear, con- I can't wear contacts. I, I just can't stand something being millimeters from my eye. It's just not appealing at all. So I'm embarrassed to tell you, I couldn't put in my own eye drops until I was like 27 years old. <laughs> you know, it took me a long time to resist something that's actually going to be good for me. And I think that's a good way to think of how the Holy Spirit works. It's not so much that we control it or force it to work, but more that we stop resisting. What I hope we'll discover as we study God's word together today is that the Holy Spirit works to align what we want with what God wants. The Holy Spirit's been the focus of this series, Wind and Wonder. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Tess preached on that at the beginning of May. We've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, this mind-boggling concept. So to try and wrap our minds around it, we, we just named three. There's many more we could have talked about, but we named three characteristics of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a mystery, the Holy Spirit is a guide, and the Holy Spirit is a giver of gifts. And then we talked about how those gifts actually help us be led by the Spirit. We broadened our definitions of what the gifts of the Spirit are beyond you know, a lot of people think of speaking in spiritual languages, which is true, but the Spirit also gives us the gifts of materials like books, like music, right? And, and we talked a lot about scripture, that the Spirit speaks to us through the scripture that it inspired in the first place. We talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of practices, uh, like prayer and, and fasting, reading scripture, like worship, like we're in right now. We, we have these practices that help us encounter and be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through people, people in our, in our lives, and, and there's maybe for some of us certain places where we feel like we experience the Spirit. The, the ancient Celtic Christians called these thin places where the line between heaven and earth was just a little bit thinner. Last week, we looked at some questions to ask to discern, okay, is this the Spirit at work in my life or uh, something else? And we talked about how those work individually and communally. You know, when, when we, we feel like we have this concept or a leading of the Spirit, does it align with scripture? Does it reflect Jesus? Is it hard? Is it broadening my faith? Is it challenging me to grow? And then do other people agree? Do other believers agree? Now, I hope it's somewhat evident that, that the questions we investigate are going to be important. I think this one is a, is a really important one. 
today that we're going to look at. And that's when do we know the Spirit has been working? That's what we want to investigate today. As Christians, if we're not in touch with the Holy Spirit, we may be missing a lot of the point. So this is really a crucial question because it's this question is the, how do I know when the Spirit's at work in my life that can unlock a lot of other answers to questions? So we're going to be seeking answers to this crucial question in the book of Galatians, and we're going to start with chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Galatians was written in the first century. Uh, Galatia was located near the Black Sea in what we would call in modern times Asia Minor. It was written by Paul. And he was one of the founders of the Christian faith. And he would go around kind of starting these Christian communities and then correspond with them through these letters. These letters became part of our Bible. And Paul has a lot of straight straight talk, some kind of very stern words from Paul in in Galatians because there's a lot at stake. He had, had set a foundation and now other folks were kind of adding and subtracting from the teaching that he had laid out for them. This would be kind of like a recipe where other people have maybe added this and that. And Paul's like, listen, you're, you're making something else now. And so there's competing ideologies. There's competing doctrine, teaching with what Paul had laid down for them. And Paul kind of continues that theme with these competing forces within each of us as well. So we'll pick up in chapter 5, verse 16. We read, live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, the second half of the Bible, called the New Testament, juxtaposes these two things, the flesh and the Spirit, all the time. It's a major theme. A few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus saying, flesh gives birth to flesh, Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And in these contexts, the flesh is representative of our sinful desires. Methodist founder John Wesley called this our corrupt nature. Now, the Spirit calls us beyond selfishness towards the good things that God desires for us. So the Spirit is a guide and a source of transformation from our desires of the flesh to the desires of the Spirit. Now, there are times when people take this concept of avoiding the flesh too far, that flesh is bad, anything material is bad. We'll hit on that a little bit later. But we remember that when God made people, when God created, God called it good. Jesus himself put on flesh and became like us. So this world, our bodies, are not evil beyond redemption. The point is that sin causes us to get our desires out of order. And Paul addresses this in verse 17. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. This is from the NRSV. The earlier translation from the NIV said, so you can't do whatever you want. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another internally. It's a difficult thing to admit that what we want, that our desire may not be best. That's a hard thing to admit. That's part of what we surrender when we give our lives to Jesus. We got the tank out today because in the last service, A young man named Grant Jewell said yes to Jesus and was baptized. And that's part of what we talk about at baptism. Do you repent of your sin and accept the power and freedom God gives you to resist it? We're admitting we're not our own savior, that we need God's good desires to supplant our own. 
We're admitting we don't know best. God does. Throughout history, many different explanations have been given to describe the competing instincts that are opposed to one another, that are, that are clashing head-on in our minds and hearts, this, this, these external analogies for the war within. You ever seen the angel and the devil on different cartoon characters' shoulders? I spent like 20 minutes getting the pictures for this. You've seen this, right? Now we're going to go for the first time in history in a sermon from My Little Pony to Plato because Plato gave this analogy of the soul as, a, as our mind and our reason being a chariot driver trying to keep steady with two horses, one mortal and deformed, the other immortal and noble. And which one are we letting take over? The Cherokee spoke of two wolves. An older Cherokee was teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to his grandson. It's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, false pride, lies, and ego. The other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. So, which desire do we give into? The desires of the flesh or the desires of the spirit? Paul goes on to list examples of each. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and the like. Now I'm going to do something bold here and I'm going to go right from a list of desires and sins of the flesh to talking about my spouse. Now, I've been doing this a while. You know I get permission. I'm a professional, so stick with me. One of my wife Sarah's great gifts is a penchant for moderation. She actually said this to me like two weeks ago. At Andy's, frozen custard, she goes, I wish the chocolate shakes came in a size smaller than regular. And I was like, like, who says that? Then this week... This is an actual text, a screenshot I got. Show the people, Gary. This is an Andy's Sunday she got, and she said, too many toppings, and now moderation, Sarah, won't even finish it because it's too much. My reply was, you know this is going in the sermon, right? <laughs> she said, right. Who says there's too many toppings on a Sunday? We have to stop the madness. So for me... If something is fun, there's no such thing as too much fun. For my wife, if something is fun, let's enjoy it, but not to excess. So we have an annual tradition when we go fireworks shopping. We both, on the count of three, say what we think the budget should be. And our numbers, our figures are disparate. They're, they're different. Some people after the last service, when we were getting those stimulus checks, I got to say it was my patriotic duty to, to help stimulate the economy. 
So my wife has what, what I would call the Goldilocks gift. Not too much, not too little, just right. Here's why I tell you all this. When you look at the acts of the flesh, for the most part, their desires out of proportion. Too much or too little. Biblical scholar Mark Douglas writes this. Paul's problem with the flesh is not that it desires, but that its desires are disordered. We could just think about that for like 20 minutes and I could sit down. That our desires are disordered. It wants the wrong things or wants good things in the wrong way. Usually too much or too little. Wanting sexual intimacy, it pursues fornication. Wanting contact with the divine, it pursues idols. Wanting joy, it carouses. Now we need to be careful about going to extremes even when it comes to moderating the desires of the flesh. This is what I mean. When you reject everything about the flesh, you get asceticism. And that's not, I'm not just trying to use a big word. That's, that's the concept that everything material, our bodies, the earth, is bad. And so you, you live as minimally and as simply as possible because you don't want to be contaminated by the world. You reject everything created. But God created it good. The book of Genesis tells us that. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, when you, when you indulge every desire of the flesh, you get hedonism. Hedonism is where your only value is pursuing pleasure. So you have two extremes, asceticism and hedonism. And so what we're trying to do is not go to one extreme or the other, but rather order our lives and our desires to thread that needle. And we can tell the spirit is at work when we desire the right things in the right order, in the right proportion. And so the spirit works to align what we want with what God wants. It's like a kid who stops resisting eye drops or broccoli or naps and they realize their parent wants what's best for them. In the same way, we resist gratifying the desires of the flesh, but we stop resisting the power of the spirit. And in what becomes a Hall of Fame Bible verse, Paul lays out what life in the spirit leads to in verses 22 and 23. A very declarative, but... So in in opposition to the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Another translation says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when do we know the Spirit has been working? As Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. Are we becoming more loving, more joyful? Are peace and patience increasing? Are we growing in kindness, goodness, and faithfulness? Are we getting our desires in the right proportion with self-control? These are the results of life in the Spirit. Jesus defeated the power of sin and gave us access to be led and filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, so far we've talked about eye drops, horses, wolves, and Andy's ice cream. So now we're going to add fruit to the analogy buffet here. But each of these images I hope is helpful because the Holy Spirit is mysterious. So our aim is to try and wrap our mind around these really big concepts. And I love this image of fruit of the Spirit. 
Because here's the thing about fruit. It takes a while to grow. You might look at a plant, any gardeners here? You might look at a plant and wonder, is anything happening? Some of us have wondered that to God about our our lives. We've got friends uh, here at church, and in their garden in the front yard is a sign that says, grow, dang it, and it it ain't dang it. Right? Some fruit might be visible, but not ripe yet, like all the bananas at Aldi every time. (laughs) Right? Oh, you don't know. Are they going to turn? Right, and so sometimes we might see the the a little peak of something, but it's like not on our timeline. Now I always get a little nervous about agricultural analogies and farming because we have farmers at our church, and I think farmers would tell you that you can create the proper conditions for fruit to grow, but ultimately you can't control it. It's a process that we participate in but we can't force to happen. I think that's a great analogy for the way the spirit works. It's a process. We can help create environments and opportunities for the spirit to work, but we can't force it. The spirit is not subject to our efforts. We may want to see everything unfold in real time on our timeline, but our eyes might not always be able to perceive the spirit at work. Friends, sometimes you can only tell the spirit has been working When you look behind you. Sometimes you can tell the spirit has been working only when you look behind you. I spent a lot of my 20s as a very reactive person. Uh, The two times I really got a, hey, we need to talk at my church in St. Louis I worked at for 10 years. My mentor, Michael, only really had to talk to me. I only got in trouble two times. And both of those after I fired off an email. A lot of keyboard courage, right? And you can tell you regret it instantly when you really aggressively hit that send button, when you're like, take that! And then you got to hear about it. I spent a lot of my 20s as a very intellectually snobby person. Even today, my favorite meetings are sermon planning meetings, because it's just me. Oh, we started right on time. Well, thank you, Adam. Thank you. This Wind and Wonder, I think it's a great series. I do, thank you, I do too. <laughs> and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but for a long time, over and over, especially in my 20s, in my year-end reviews, I would receive, I wish Adam were more open to the ideas of others. Some of you have heard me say this before, and my initial response is, well, I would be if others had better ideas. <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard. Who wants to work with a 26-year-old who knows it all? Not me. And, you know, this is always a delicate dance, right? Because if I want to share a little bit about how the Spirit has worked in my life, there's a certain threshold of appropriateness here. And so I'm sharing with you the stuff I don't mind you knowing about. Right? Because the truth is, none of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. And so in order for the spirit to work, you have to quit resisting the idea that you're a finished product. If we're clinging to pride or whatever, it's going to be hard to receive and hold the fruit of the spirit. And so the concept of responding rather than reacting has been instructive for me. 
the idea of, of being curious rather than dismissive, those habits don't take place overnight. The desire to understand what, something is, uh, what someone is trying to express or, or, or bring to the forefront rather than dismiss it if it doesn't fit your narrow view, that's something that takes place over time. So when I look back over my life and, and in my career, I can see the spirit at work in my own desires. And it's less about me transforming myself, about me closing my eyes and just trying real hard. It's less about my effort alone, and it's more about stopping resisting the Spirit's work. Friends, the Spirit has to do for us what we cannot do on our own. This is a picture of my daughter, Betsy, and uh, it was her first time bowling. And despite her objective preciousness, uh, I wanted you to notice the blue apparatus in front of her. Have you ever seen these? They're like little ramps that kids can use to get the ball down the lane. Now, I hope you like this because I've been sitting on this for like six months. Here's the deal. My six-year-old can't chuck a ball, a 10-pound ball, 60 feet down to hit some pins. She's only able to bowl with the help of the ramp. Similarly, we can't change our desires on our own. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that what we want begins to align with what God wants. And so I love this picture, like a little kid bowling. Yes, my daughter's participating, but it's the ramp that's really doing the heavy lifting. Similarly, we can participate in God's own transformation in our lives, but it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that that takes place. We don't control it, we can't force it, but we do participate in it. So friends, when you know the Spirit has been at work, when you move from the selfish and decadent desires of the flesh to the holy and ordered and good fruits of the Spirit. This is probably my favorite Bible verse. Could we read it together? Psalm 37, 4. Will you join me? Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, we can know the Spirit has been at work when we desire the things that God delights in. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for this chance to be in your presence together, for this appointment with you. God, we admit that too often we resist the work of your spirit because it's gonna be painful or it's gonna mean changing or it's gonna mean more humility. And so like a child that doesn't wanna eat their vegetables, help us to understand that you know what is best. Help us to quit resisting your spirit at work in our lives. Give us the eyes of faith to perceive it. Give us the ears to hear the prompts that you give us all around, all the time, that we might put away the sinful desires of the flesh and begin to order those desires in a good and proper and holy way that you intend for us. God, thank you for this community of faith where we can come and experience your presence together. Help us to carry your spirit out from this place into our homes, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, that we could be gifts of your spirit to others. 
God, help us to be receptive. Help us to not resist. Give us the ability to receive your power, which, which that alone can transform our desires. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.